Hey everyone, and welcome back to Student Entrepreneur 101. In this episode, I'm excited to introduce Carol Shi, the co-founder of Codespace, a web development agency that specializes in building and enhancing Shopify e-commerce stores. Prior to launching Codespace, Carol has a background in fashion e-commerce, where she has managed brands such as Juicy Couture and Seven for All Mankind. In this episode, you'll learn about Carol's experience building Codespace, the importance of being a solutions seeker, why you should be bold and take massive action when building your network, and more. Carol, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited for our conversation today. Please say hello and share one recent win that you and your team at Codespace have had. Thank you so much, Rose. I'm so glad that we met at the event that we've thrown uh, with Cohere and Sterling Sishimark. So I'm really glad and thank you to be here. Um, so for me, one of the biggest wins here at Codespace, I would say, is um, we won a big uh, client that I cannot say, but uh, this has just been a very, very tough year. So for us, any win right now, um, I'm going to take that and be very grateful for. So we are definitely having a pretty good Q4. Um, and I would say that's one of the biggest wins that we have here this year. That's amazing. Well, that's so exciting. And I can't wait to see, you know, you know, the future partnerships that Codespace um, has and, you know, the, the things that you go on to do. So that's so exciting. Yeah. Thank you. And let's start our conversation today at the beginning. I would, I mean, I know we had the opportunity to speak about this earlier, but I would love for my audience mm -hmm. to hear um, your story. I really loved it. And so if we could start, maybe you could share a little bit of background. You know, did you always know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Oh, such a good question, Rose. Um, so first things first, uh, I'm not American. I am a Taiwanese and Australian uh, fun combo, and I don't have an accent. So it's a lot of uh, fun questions here to ask. Uh, but number one, I was actually born in Taiwan and raised in Australia. Um, and then I went back to Taiwan for an international American school, hence why my education's American and my accent's more American. Um, I came to the States when I was 19, and I went to Cal State Long Beach. Go Beach. Um, it's also in Los Angeles. That's also where I set my foundation. Um, I really needed a green card in order to stay in the country. So I knew that since I was 19, I came here with a goal. I knew that I must obtain a green card. In order to do that, I have to upgrade from a student visa into a working visa, which again is looking for jobs that allow to sponsor you. Um, and, and, and just there's a lot of trial and error when it comes to job hunt in order to get the job that really suits you and that you were willing to be there for six or seven years in order to obtain the green card. So that's kind of what I did. Um, not at all in my entire 20s, even uh, early 30s. I won't tell you how old I am. Um, but, but at that point, have I ever thought about being an entrepreneur? Uh, my mother is, my father is. I think that's why I was so appalled by it. I don't want to be one. I always tell myself I don't want to be a CEO, which is hilarious because look where I'm at now. I'm everything that I didn't know that I wanted. <laughs> and then here I am, um, especially as an immigrant here in the States. Uh, and, and so um, it's a long journey, but I felt like I learned to love the position. I learned to love the cart that's dealt uh, to my hands. And I and, um, hope that kind of answers your question. But I guess you don't always know what you want to be when you grow up. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. I think that's amazing because it just goes to show that, you know, the path to entrepreneurship isn't linear. You don't have to start out oh. like since you were the little kid, you know, um, no. knowing, dreaming to be a CEO. <laughs> and so I just, I love your experience there because I think it's, um you know, a great example of all the different ways that you can, you know, become an entrepreneur. So I think that's great. And, you know, understanding that you didn't always want to be a CEO, you know, what was the inspiration mm -hmm. behind Codespace? You know, what, what, what's the story there? Oh, thank you for asking that one. Because honestly, people think that you own a company and you co-founded and immediately you're the CEO and you just kind of point. It really wasn't so for me. I actually, uh, the journey started in 2018 where two of my developer friends um, from the past, they came to me and said, hey, Carol, um, we're starting a company. Um, and would you like to join to be a business development? So how it works was I was at this company, a digital agency, and I was always client facing. So these two developers who worked with me at that company knew that I have all the connections up front. So he said, well, I can code and you can talk to people. So why don't you come on in? And so in the beginning of Codespace, I actually was not um, the main founders. I was one of the co-founders, but I was I had very little equity. I had very little say. I was just bringing in sales for the for the company. And at the time, I was working under Alibaba branch. I had my own full-time job. Um, and how it came about is I start to see a trend. So I had a lot of female mentors and a lot of um, VP level of, of these female leaders that was so badass and I looked up to because I work with a lot of fashion brands. I'm talking about Juicy Couture, Charming Charlie, Seven for All Mankind, J Brand, Rag and Bone. I touched all these brands and all of these brands have amazing women leaders. And I'm looking at them like, oh my God, I want to be like them one day, right? I just want to have a cush job is what it is. But we forget economy changes, uh, fashion changes, uh, right? Yeah. Culture, everything shifts. So what I start to see when I was working at the Alibaba group was that all these female founders starting to get laid off and starting to cut. And you still see that glass ceiling, even though they say there are none. Everybody that I've seen is that they grow into a VP level. They're making around 200, 300K. But then once the company needs to be laid off, they need to cut budget, which is what we've been seeing the last couple of years. Um, they cut the VP levels, they cut the middle management, right? Those are the people that doesn't do work. So I start to see this trend and I have to ask myself, is that the route that I want to go? Because that is a risk. And in the same time, I was lucky. The two developers came to me and knocked on my doors like, hey, would you like to go on this adventure with us? And that's what I did. I, I, I quit uh, the, the company that I worked with, a branch under Alibaba. Um, I then went full time into Codespace starting in 2018. Um, and after that, long story short, the two developer actually exited and I brought in um, a woman CTO that's also a mom. And I was at the time also pregnant. Um, we had a lot in common. I think the minute as a woman, you became a mother, your mindset changes. It's like not only your body changes, but your mind starts to change because you start to think about the future a lot, a lot further. It's not about you anymore. It's about this child. So mm. that conversation went so well uh, with my current CTO, my partner. Um, and we realized we can do this ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and we did it, you know, and and uh, we, we knew what we were up against. Not to say the developers ha had it bad, but it was because we realized the space needs more women. 
um, there's just none of us in the, in not the marketing side. There's a lot of plenty of uh, leaders and female that's in marketing side, but in the development tech space, there's just so little of us quality assurance, developer, front end, back end. Um, all of these tech leads, a lot of times are men. And so Tasha and I saw an opportunity. So we really dug into it. And that is what's making Codespace Codespace right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that story, you know, how you were able to really bring in a culture of, of like women in the development space, women in the e-commerce space. And I I absolutely love that. And I would love to talk about how you chose the Shopify and e-commerce niche. Um, you know, what drew mm-hmm. you to Shopify specifically as a platform when building, you know, and enhancing e-commerce stores? Was there a particular gap you saw in the market? I noticed you mentioned there was mm-hmm really um, an absence of women in this space. So mm-hmm. could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So that's a great question because in the beginning, when we started Codespace, when I was with the two developers, we were taking any and all mm-hmm. development work, whatever we could find, whether it's on Magento platform um, at the time with the Shopify, WordPress, Squarespace, there's so many out there. So my take was, I really don't know what we're very good at as a team because you could be individually good at something like this person is very good at Shopify as a development, but there's another guy who's very good at backend on another platform. So I honestly don't know what we are very good at as a company. So in the very beginning stages, it's just test and trial. Mm -hmm. Let's test it out. Let's take up this project. Let's see how it goes. This one's not liking it. And after taking 10, 20 projects, we start to realize, okay, we don't like doing this for X, Y, Z reasons. And we like doing these. So that's how we came about to Shopify because Shopify at the end of the day, it is the most diverse and as well as most um, apps that is being supported. And there's just so much potential in growing an e-com store. Um, And then on top of the ease, it's easier for developers, but at the same time, it is also the targeted audience I want to support, which is female founders in e-commerce, minority founders in e-commerce. Shopify is still most recognized as the easiest onboarded platform that you can find out there, especially if you will have a heavy duty e-com store that is over a million dollars. And in America, small medium businesses takes up so much of that revenue stream that they are utilizing Shopify as a platform. So for us, it's a no brainer to choose that uh, the group that we wanted to support. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And you talk about the process of trial and error, testing out the different platforms that you would eventually choose. Um, I would love to talk about the early days of the business. You know, did you experience any challenges early on, you know, when building oh, girl. The, <laughs> the company? And if so, you know, how did you overcome it? Any lessons learned here? Mm. So I am more of a cultural leader where I really am for the people. I think that without the people, there's no product and without the product, there's no company. So even if you're not a product company like us with service, it goes back down the human interactions. Um, For us, one of the biggest issues, and again, that's a lot of companies, so many different things to discuss here. But for me, was communication. Mm. Again, in the beginning, nobody knows what they're doing because when you work for a company before, it's easy to complain at a corporate company because you're only seeing 10% of what the executive seeing a hundred, right? So for you, you're sitting at the desk, you're doing the same thing over and over. You're like, well, this could have been better. We should have done this X, Y, and Z. 
right? But then the higher up is seeing a holistic view of the company, so they know what they're doing. So if you switch the roles around, the two developers and me, we were looking at the entire company. We don't know what the hell we were doing. We were just like, I know what I should be doing in my department because back in the day when I was in that position, I wish we could have this. So you're building the company off of what you think you want, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you start to realize, oh shit, I got to focus on PNL. <laughs> I also need to focus on employee retention. I also need to focus on scaling, making sure the budget's right. We have to making sure we're optimizing like our our tools. Like there are all these things that you start to learn. You're like, oh my goodness. As a founder and as a leader, your responsibility is more than what's just put on the job description, mm. right? So I think a lot of that is um, sitting there and really understanding, like, okay, what should be done and what is being prioritized as to companies' needs, and mm-hmm. you just have to balance that out. I mean, girl, I can talk about this all day. There is just <laughs> endless issues. They they say that as an agency owner, you worry about three things: you worry about customers, employees, and um, sales. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have sales, obviously you don't have customers. If you don't have customers, obviously you don't have a company. So those are three things you always worry about. It's like playing whack a mole. You cover one, the other one pops up, right? So. Hey, that's, that's kind of the life you choose as an entrepreneur. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm so happy that you shared that because it's, it's definitely true, especially in the early stages of a company. One thing that I see pretty often is that founders and especially the leaders of these startups wear many hats, right? Like, as you said, it's like the sales and scaling and employee retention. And so, yeah, those are all really you know, important things that you need to balance early on, especially um, when you're a quickly growing early stage company, just like code space. So yeah, definitely, definitely. It's hard, uh, girl. Like I, I think that when people say, oh, I want to be a CEO, I don't think mm-hmm. you really understand what it stands for. Yeah. <laughs> That's why in my uh, email, um, what it's called signature, even though I'm a CEO, my E is not just executive, it's everything. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning stages of building a company, you just do it all right? You're yeah. cropping images at the same time. You're, you're writing content. Um, so wearing many hats is, is, is the least you can say. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And early on when you were finding that balance of all those roles and tasks that you had to carry out as, um, you know, the CEO, like what, what were like, what was one like takeaway or one lesson that you learned that really helped you <laughs> grow um, and eventually be able to balance those roles? I would say, listen, Mm -hmm. I listen to a lot of people, not saying I'm following everyone's directions, but I had a lot of mentors. I surround myself with a lot of um, agency owners that are probably a few years ahead of me just to see what they've learned. Um, I also opt myself into this, um, agency master group and I think that was some investment that I put in for myself because I knew that I need to have a mentor to guide me to tell me what's ahead of me um, in order to learn faster right and I think it's that humbleness to you know what I don't know what the fuck I'm doing so I'm gonna have to listen to what the people say I also listen to my peers mm-hmm. I also listen to my team a lot because if my team is not happy where they are, it's my job as a CEO to make sure that they are 
doing the best they can. They're getting the tools that they can to be successful, but at the same time, listen to what their struggles are so that I can make changes as a company to know that that's the roadblock and then remove that so that we can be more efficient. So I would say the biggest lesson I've learned is to not act quickly because a lot of times, one, you do have to make decisions very quickly because every day is very different as an entrepreneur. But at the same time, it really is gathering all your information, listen to everybody so that you can make the best decision based on the situation you're in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yes, listening is a key skill that you need to master, especially if you're a CEO and, you know, you're in charge of all these different, like, overseeing all these different roles, making sure things get done, making sure employees are able to carry out their their own jobs to the best of their ability. So aside from listening, what are a few skills that you believe someone needs to be successful in the web development and e-commerce business? Wow. Um, so you say e-commerce business mm-hmm. and what else? Oh, like the web development. In e-commerce. Oh, web development. Or space, yeah. You know, because you work in in both. Oh, Mm -hmm. right. I do, I do. So I would say in e-com and in tech, you just have to, you know, uh, how do you say that? Um, Sorry, I'm not American, so there's a lot of terms I'm trying to use and I don't get it. Pierce your ears on the wall? No, that doesn't sound right. (laughs) I don't think... You have to put your hands on the pulse? Yeah, I think that's what it is. So you basically have to understand what is out there. Shopify mm. is changing all the time. Google Analytics is changing. Google itself changes all the time. The policy changes all the time. User experience, user interface also changes all the time. Anytime when an iPhone comes out with a new phone, the developer is like, oh, we have to change our best uh, best practices because phone is bigger, phone is smaller, buttons have to be different. I mean, there are so many different best user cases and and trends that are changing. And you need to tap into analytics to understand user behavior. So if you do want to be in the tech, you want to be e-com world, you got to always be on top of current events. You always have to gear yourself with people that are always looking for something new so that you can provide that as a service. And again, I'm a service agency. So for me is what are the best options out there in order to help my clients be more successful. So I would say one of the biggest skill sets is uh, opposite of being lazy. (laughs) You have to be very resourceful, be always Mm -hmm. active and and willing to find out new solutions. Uh, Honestly, you need to be a solution seeker in order uh, uh, to be on top of the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you you talk about Um, early on having and finding mentors for Mm -hmm. aspiring entrepreneurs looking to build their own network in the tech development Mm -hmm. e-commerce space you know what steps did you take to find mentorship and establish your personal brand in the space because I feel like you know more and more that's becoming so important as additional companies enter this space great question um I think it's, I find my approach uh, more on the unique side, the more I talk to other people. Um, Again, I'm an immigrant. I moved here as 19. I was here by myself. I knew from the start that I need all the help I can get and I need a community. So what I would do is at the time, of course, you're 19, 20, um, you you don't really know what you want to do. You know, maybe the majors that you want to be in and you try it out and see if it works out. But I knew that I need to get ahead of the game by seeing the woman that I admire 
So any women leaders at the time that looks like me, which is why representation matters, right? That looks like me, that is doing whatever I think that I wanted to do at the time, I would approach them, whether it's a professor um, or, uh, you know, you meet at job fairs or something at college. But what happens to me after college is I actually worked in retail for a little bit. I couldn't find a job that gives me a green card. It was very stressful. Um, I decided I have to be more bold. So what I did was I go on LinkedIn and I start looking for jobs that I want to be at. All right. So whether and at the time, I, I didn't even know what e-commerce were. I just knew maybe it's fashion because I was working at Louis Vuitton. Maybe it was, you know, nonprofit because that was where I interned at. So I keep looking at people. And when I see a woman or a man that is on LinkedIn that I feel like that can represent um, that's representing what I who I am, mm -hmm. I would approach them. I would DM them and I would be like, hi, I am so and so. I'm a student from Kelsey Long Beach. Would you mind if I get on a call with you? I want to ask some questions. And that is literally how bold I am. And I want to say out of the 10, let's say I did it for 10 times, eight times people responded and they were more than happy to jump on a call or just email back and forth. So because people like to feel like they're important and people like to feel like they're contributing. So a lot of times when you're a student and you approach, just like how you approach me, it's the same way. It's like, hey, how do I get to where, how did you get to where you're at now? And can you tell me the steps and can I relate to that? So I did a lot of those. Um, when I was just out of college and then when I was looking for a job throughout the years. And then what I've also done is I start tapping into different companies, right? So I knew all these big companies, whether it's the made up metas or Googles or YouTubes or the shite day, whatever. I start asking my friends, I was like, Hey, do you guys have a VP over there? And I looked them up on, on, on LinkedIn. I know. Do you mind if I set a meeting with them? Do you mind sending me an email? And I just, the more bold I was, the more I tapped into their network they were more than happy to meet me for lunch, for coffee, for a drink, for whatever it is. And my goal was very simple. Tell me how you get here. How, tell me how did you get to where you are? And tell me, just like how you're asking me all these questions, tell me all your mistakes that you made. What would you have done differently if you're in my position? And girl, those were golden like opinion, uh, suggestions. And there was just such good tips that I got. And I felt like because of all these bold moves that I made, mm -hmm. um, just being shameless and just pulling them out, like, please talk to me. Um, I avoided a lot of pitfalls. I really, really did. I think I jumped through. Uh, I, it was a catalyst for me to be where I'm at today, thanks to, to all the people that stopped and helped a random Asian girl out and jump on a call to, to answer some crazy questions. Um, so yeah, that's the best thing you can do for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so amazing. And thank you so much for sharing that because I think you, it's so, so important to be brave and put yourself out there. Um, yeah. Start building your network early. As you said, you were in college and you were still looking for jobs that you wanted to pursue and you just started on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is a great place to start. I mean, I myself mm -hmm. use it all the time. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's so great. And yeah, that's that's amazing. And I think another great point there is that you don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? You just, you know, you'd be surprised how many people would love are really willing to share their experience with you. I mean, we're on this call right now and, you know, just yeah. willing to offer, you know, share their experiences with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Especially you in your position at UCLA. I think if I could redo and start college all over, again one I will study more so I can get to UCLA um but two is I I, I really think that with a campus with so many resources be as active as you can go out meet people 
party, you know, like live it up. I think one of the things I regret the most being a college student was I was so stressed out um, not getting deported. Like all I ever wanted in college was like, I got to stay. I have to stay. And I was worrying about the future too far ahead. I wish mm -hmm. I was less of a crazy Virgo. I pulled myself back a little bit and enjoy the youth a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, so I also want to say like balance is so important. I wish I had more time um, hanging out with friends and building that friendship too. Yes, absolutely. And and you're right, you know, especially for younger college students, you know, you are in the perfect position to network, meet people, meet potential future co-founders. Yes. You never know. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think next I would really love to talk about um you know, the business model. I, I don't ask this question enough during my interviews, but I do think it, it would be really important, um, you know, in understanding the financial opportunities, you know, for students looking to break into the e-commerce space, looking to pursue entrepreneurship. Um, could you discuss, you know, the different revenue streams or strategies that Codespace uses? You know, how, how does the business model work there? Great question. Um, so we are a service-based company. Mm -hmm. um, so in the beginning, we knew that we have the knowledge. So again, I'm utilizing my experience, right? Obviously, I'm starting this company knowing that I can do a lot more personal touches uh, to the services that I felt like other agencies might lack. That's how it all started. That's the mission, right? Um, so as in e-commerce and I was touching fashion e-commerce, which is the most complex um, at the time, as well as the most versatile way of building an e-com store because fashion is the one category that has the most features. They have so many different categories, so easy to shop, right? Because you know exactly what you're looking for. You want to either go for categories or you can shop by occasions. And then there's filtering function where you can filter out colors, materials, um, sizes, length, like you can go on and on and on. Because of these complexities, it really strengthened the team to understand, oh my goodness, there's so many different ways that we can serve this. So through that, we then tailor towards our business model towards serving the fashion industry and then we later on kind of expanded to beauty due to the economy we always have to kind of spread ourselves to try different things um so we find a lot of success in beauty we find a lot of success in wellness cpg brands those are all the categories that we've been focusing on and that's also where a lot of female founders are are birthing their their um beginning of the entrepreneurship journey, right? So that's who we want to be and want to serve. So I would say the business model that uh, Codespace has is one, we're growing with a trend, but we're not losing our sight as to what a core value is. And our core value is number one, quality. That's why we put the Q in code, right? Um, number two is community. Again, my entire journey from college all the way to entrepreneurship is about building communities. Mm -hmm. I believe that, um, and especially with the current trends right now, I notice a lot of e-com freelancers are out of jobs because of so many layoffs that happened this year. So I also know that building an agency means giving more jobs back to those freelancers and consultants who are working solo. Right. They're not belonging in the company, but they know how to do page search. They know how to do SEO. They know, And those are the parts that I don't touch, but as part of e-commerce business, I am just focusing on development. 
right? So when it comes to that, and as well as UX UI, I know there's just so much more out there that can give. So one, we focus on quality, two, we focus on community. And then the third and most important one that I always tell my team is being purposeful. Our, it's being purposeful in who we serve, being purposeful in how we present our services and how we are always thinking about the best quality for our clients. There are so many times our conversation, I have to talk to a client is, hey, let's help you save some money. Let's not spend on this development. Let's work on something else. Allocate your budget on something else that's not even us. I have to be selfless sometimes mm -hmm. because I want to do things differently. So I, I wouldn't say there's a typical business model here besides um, really listening to, again, going back to listening, right? Listening to what the audiences want, what the client want, what the trend is going on right now and who we want to serve and be purposeful about that direction. Um, so I would say um, the different revenue streams would come uh, depending on what the client needs. Um, for us, we have expanded our services from just like fixing bugs and updating your theme to now we have our own custom theme that is tailored towards the needs of our clients, as well as partner up with an AI analytics that is very new for us that we just introduced in 2023 because of the AI trends that's been going on. Right. So, you know, it, it's uh, the service model will keep changing depending on who we're serving. That's probably the short answer I could give you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that is definitely important, you know, maintaining the quality, but as you, you know, get more experienced, you you have a better understanding, okay, where what are the costs? Where where does cash yeah. come in? When does you cash work come? smarter? Yeah, better able yeah. to manage. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think the as years experience go by, it really is you work smart, not hard. Yes. So, we're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um and to go back a little bit, uh, you mentioned starting to implement AI analytics uh, to the business. And so this leads into um, the next topic that I would love to cover for a little bit is, um, you know, talking about the rapidly changing landscape uh, for web development, you know, especially as technologies improve and, and you have um, all these new tools that seem to come out almost every day, it seems, right? So, you know, how do you stay updated and adapt uh, you know, code space strategies to keep up with these AI trends and and the latest tools? Oh, man, AI is such a hot topic right now. I think uh, yeah. I, I do have a two-year-old son. So mm. I'm always thinking what he is going to be experiencing when it comes to AI and technology, because it's so new for us. But mm. like you said, it changes all the time. Um, there's no such control either. So it is a bit frightening to tap into it. Mm. So it was a big decision for me and my partner to think about how do we not get left behind? Kind of like what we were talking about earlier is that you want to be part of the latest trends, but you also want to figure out what's going on, right? Um, right? And you need to understand how that aligns with your business as well as serving your clients. So um, implementing a anti analytics tool was a huge decision for us, but also at the same time, we knew that was going to be a huge value proposition for CodeSpace. Um, I have seen way too many companies that are more on the enterprise side that would hire data analysts. And if you look online and you check it out, data analysts, uh, they make 
a crap loads of money. So if any listeners right now want to understand how you can make big bucks <laughs> and you're very much into data, data analysts is such a good position to kind of look into as well as CRO because that's where people are looking into where revenue is at. Right now, because there's so many activities going on on the internet, there are also so many ways to look into user behavior. And user behavior can spit out so many information about how people shop. And once you know those information, it's basically a golden key for you to understand how to get conversions as well as up your revenue and scale the company. So what do people do? They read into GA, Google Analytics. But what's going on here, which I also talked about before, is that Google's always changing. So one right. of the biggest changes that they did is they launched GA4 a year ago. And they forced everybody to offboard GA3 and onto GA4. It was a huge deal. All my life, I'm on e-commerce, I was trained on GA3. I knew how to read the analytics. I know how to pull reports. I knew how to do my job based on GA3. So when you offset that and you sunset it, all the, all the tools, and then you went to GA4, Nobody knows how to read it. Nobody knows how to do data layering. So we saw an opportunity here. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, data is king. It tells you what people are doing on your website. And we, we would find out so much more. And we can build on top of that. So many different companies right now are utilizing their development budget just by saying, oh, I want to build this feature because my competitor is doing it. Or I, my CEO saw it on some website and he loves it. So that's, let's do it. Based on feelings, emotions, and based on trends. That's not enough. You should be looking into what your customers are coming onto your website and how they're behaving. Mm -hmm. Therefore, my partner and I saw that opportunity and we knew that we need to partner up with somebody that can bring that AI analytics uh, data in. And again, that time AI wasn't even there yet, but we were lucky enough, again, at tapping into my network, going into how much I talked and listened to other people. I, uh, during one of the events, I, uh, a female founder event, I met uh, Click Voyant, the CEO, um, and her name is Mia and she is the most badass leader I've ever met and she's a analytics whiz. She started yeah. uh, ClickBoyant um, as a tool software uh, to, to, to help gather that analytics for you. So trying to replace data analysts, right? Because data yeah. analysts sitting there gathering all the information, finding out the tools for you. This AI tool legitimately does it for you and look into all the data and pick out hey, there's something missing here. All the people who are filtering XYZ end up converting uh, six months later. Those are golden tips that you should know as a customer, uh, as your customer's behavior. So we partnered up with them this year, and we just found such success and the joy you see in our in clients' eyes. Like, oh my goodness, I can be using this, and then I can tell the code space team how to build it. So then we collaborated. We came up with um, different ways to engage with clients' needs. Um, one to provide them the data that they need using the analytics. We also help support. Um, helping the client understand GA4 a little bit better. Tagging is also um, not a, a, a well-known knowledge um, of doing it right for GA4. GA4 alone is meant to be for AI. Mm. So we kind of drove that. We we start spreading the knowledge. And I think a lot of times in our service companies um, and agencies like us, the biggest thing we do is educate our clients to let them know this is what you need. This is what you're going to see. Um, and after performing audits and trial and errors, this has been um, such a good success for us, uh, utilizing AI as a new tool 
um, to help us expand. And these automations are just magical. Um, mm -hmm. They learn so fast and we see the results very quickly. Um, so that's my experience with AI. And again, like it's it's a touchy subject because there's always pros and cons to both sides. But right. for us, we've did a lot of testing. Um, we see great success. So yeah, they, they, thanks to AI, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's that's really great. I think it's amazing to see how you you know using AI analytics, you were able to um, adapt to major changes in you know your main platform like the introduction of GA four and really using that to kind of push forward data driven insights that could really help your clients and overall improve the whole the um, you know client experience. So I that's amazing. That's amazing, and just I think a, a demonstration of ways that AI can help, as you mentioned. It's important to stay ahead of, you know, new technologies, understanding the tools that are available to you as an entrepreneur that can really help you continue to grow um, and improve your business. Definitely. Yeah. Yes, and you said it so well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I could not be afraid of it. At first, uh, I'm not going to lie. In the beginning, I was like, I'm not touching that at all. I am not touching AI. I'll use ChatGPT, but I'm not going to let them learn about any of the things. And then now we're like, actually, if we know how to utilize it, it's it's really is a big strength and a big value that we can bring so definitely yes call. carol you have shared so many amazing insights throughout a conversation today um you know and you have and just seeing your journey from start to up until today um you know you've accomplished so much you've grown the business so much developed your team and you know really grown your your customer base but but looking to the future how do you see the code space community and brand growing um, I've always had a vision for CodeSpace to be an incubator for young women who want to tap into the e-com um, development world. I think the percentage of female developers, quality assurance, as well project managers, technical project managers, um, they're just such a little percentage. It's like literally, it's so sad. It's like below 10%, um, let alone having female CEOs in the tech world. So if CodeSpace could be a incubator for these young talents to come in and get their hands on to one of the biggest brands and fashion brands that they want to get into. There's so many different ways that you can support an e-commerce business. And there's just so many different avenues. So I see CodeSpace as a place where we really truly groom the new talents, um, as well as utilizing this group of young um, tech leads to support the female and minority entrepreneurs is my dream. I think at this point, this this uh, there's so many potentials for us to step into this world and learn, and especially internet being so freaking popular and AI being um, the the biggest trend right now. That's where I see the future holds, uh, especially inviting the the newcomers of of new job comers. Right, every year there's after summer, people are flooding going uh, out of college and looking for work this is such a good time for us to learn and like trial and error and listen to what's going on and I want CodeSpace to be that safe place for the newcomers to to explore um, so that's kind of where I see it and of course um, I have such an amazing team um, I, I see I always joke and say that 
I'm the most useless one in the entire team, which is um, I find the most success because if my team is as strong and I can delegate everything, that means I have more time to do the things I love, which is mentoring younger kids and and newcomers like you, new uh, college students that's out of looking for work. Um, and I want to extend my network to 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 those people that extended out theirs to mine. Yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. And thank you so much. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. Just thank you for taking the time to be on the show today. Um, and, and, thank and you. you know, for students listening to our conversation today who were really inspired by your story and would maybe want to reach out, where can they go to learn more about Codespace and learn more about you? I would go back to good old LinkedIn. I think mm -hmm. LinkedIn, there's Instagram, there's also email if they want to contact you. And of course, codespace.com, there's contact us page as well. Um, I am more than happy to, to join in on any of the conversations in the UCLA campus, especially if that's your network. Uh, my network is yours. I always love saying that, especially for female entrepreneurs that's in the future. So please utilize me. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, before we go, what is one final word of advice that you have uh, for students that listen to our conversation today and really want to start their own businesses one day? Well, I think you're already doing an amazing job. I was going to say start podcasts, have some discussions, but you're already doing all that. Great. Um, I'm on the right track. Be creative. <laughs> yeah, right? You're already doing it. I think this is such an amazing thing. I think you and I definitely need to talk about um, expanding more in podcasts. But the one suggestion is, hey, be creative. You know, you don't have to do what, what your parents are doing or what your mentor tell you you are doing follow you and what you wanted to do. I think um, I, I, I love, love seeing the younger generation. Oh God, I sound so old when I say that. I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> the younger generation to be creative and finding new ways of revenue. It just excites me to be like, oh my goodness, I didn't think of that. You know, um, I, I would explore so many different ways to be entrepreneur and what makes you happy and bring the best part about being an entrepreneur is that you have a chance to build something that you know you're going to love doing on a daily basis. Definitely. Like, this is why I do what I do. It's so worth it. Because there are times like Tasha, my partner, and I, we look back. And when we have that little win, man, it was so exciting. All that hard work is so worth it. You know, so so my last word of advice is be creative and find ways to make you happy. There's not just a nine to five job out there that's going to make you happy. If that's not what you want, freaking don't do it. Try something else. Be creative, listen, and and uh, don't be afraid to try things. Be brave. Amazing. Great. Thank you so much, Carol. You know, throughout today, you've just shared so many amazing insights and words of wisdom and really just a great window into your experience as an entrepreneur. Thank you so, so much. Um, and I wish you the very best with all you do at Codespace. Thank you so much, Rose. This is so, so special for me. I'm so glad we get to connect. And you ask such amazing questions. If there's anything else I can help you with and help any of your listeners, please let me know. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And that's a wrap on another exciting episode of Student Entrepreneur 101. Today we learned the story behind Codespace and listened to Carol share valuable insights about running her own web development agency. What did you learn from Carol in this week's episode? What are your top three takeaways? Make sure to follow the show at Student Entrepreneur 101 Podcast on Instagram and share your thoughts. 
Do you know someone that wants to jumpstart their entrepreneurial journey? Then share this episode with them. All right, guys, stay tuned for the next episode because I have even more stories, insights, and value to share with you coming soon. Until next time, keep ideating, keep innovating, and get out there and go build your dreams. 